Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we're thankful that Jesus does save. We're thankful this morning that your grace is sufficient, that your grace is greater than all of our sins and any issue that we face in this life. We ask that you would teach us, that you would teach us how to order our ways, to learn, to listen to you and you alone. We ask you to take each part of this service and be honored and glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We would, and we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 6. And uh, we'll get to our text hopefully in just a few moments. Uh, The last several Sunday mornings, this is the third actually in a series on listening, listening to God. And of course, that's something that we all claim to do, something that we all... Uh, I would think the reason we're in church on Sunday morning is we would like to listen to God. We want to do that. It's something that we talk a lot about and get very little done when it actually comes to listening because listening without obedience, is it really listening? I mean, that's a tough thing, is it not? And if you have children, you know how that works. Did you hear me? Yes. Well, then why isn't it done? Uh, you see, the idea of listening includes not only a comprehension of what is being said, but action in response to what has been comprehended. Amen? Amen. I mean, sometimes we listen to things. How many of you took algebra? You listened. You listened hard. But when you took the test, did it work? No. Why? Well, there was words coming in. There was words being processed. But somewhere between the processing and the obedience to those words... We have a disconnect. Uh, I remember uh, the first year we were married, I taught school. Uh, that first year, I had uh, ninth grade health and physical education, uh, all the junior high music and beginning band lessons and junior high choir and trigonometry. And uh, so part of my job was teaching trigonometry, then it was lunch, and then it was kindergarten music. Uh, That borders on schizophrenia, my friend. (laughs) Trying to communicate uh, how to find the cosecant of a triangle and then ta-ta-ti-ti-ta. It was just a little extreme. But... When we communicate God's word, God expects us to hear and he wants something done. God has set up the pattern in scripture. Two weeks ago, we talked about creation. And I just love to think about creation. How many of you have ever seen uh, the table of the, the periodic table of the elements? You've seen all, has anybody ever heard somebody sing? All of those things, there's somebody that's done that. It's quite quite enjoyable to listen to as they go through all of those great names and uh, of things that you've never seen, never will seen. But according to 
our greatest scientist, everything that is in nature, that is known in our universe, is comprised of combinations of those elements. Where did the elements come from? God spoke, and out of nothing they became. God spoke, and those elements began to be organized and ordered according to his word. And the entire vastness of this universe in which we find ourselves, out of nothing appeared. The testimony of God's greatness is in the stars. If you'll submit to the authority of God's witness. If you won't, it will drive you to insanity. I couldn't believe what I was reading several years ago, and I've used this example before a couple of times, I think, but uh, I was reading in a science book or uh, in one of those things, and it said, the cactus grew up in a desert, and it realized that predators would want its water stored within the cactus, so the cactus grew thorns to protect itself from predators. Now, has anybody got a cactus that smart? I mean, that's insanity. If the cactus was smart enough to grow thorns to keep predators away, why did it end up in the plant box in your living room? Answer that. What self-respecting cactus wants to be stuck in a plant box when it can grow thorns to protect itself? Now, I don't believe the cactus thought. I don't believe cactus are capable of thinking. I believe God made them that way. If you will accept the testimony of creation... It will bring you closer to an understanding of the greatness and goodness of the God of this book called the Bible. Amen? If you refuse, there's no telling where you're going to end up. But last week we spent our time on the history of mankind is a history of rebellion against those very words. Is it not? Mankind does not have a very good track record in obeying God. And so as we set the foundation here of God spoke and things listen, even when there were no things to listen, God's word was obeyed. That's how it's supposed to work. Yet the Bible gives us the history of man's rebellion against God. And last week we literally just walked through the Bible looking at how man failed in listening to God. Now, today I would like to start getting into the real meat of this series and how to prepare ourselves or how to do, order our lives so we can listen to God so that we can know that it's really God speaking and not Jim Jones. Now, I'm dating myself. How many remember Jim Jones? How in the world did these people end up in Guyana drinking cyanide lace Kool-Aid? 
Let me tell you something. They were listening to the wrong person. And the history of that cult is that by the time some of those people woke up, they were holding a glass of poison with an AK-47 pointed at their head, and they had one of two choices. They were going to die that day, and they did. Now, we know that's not of God. But let me tell you something. Not one of those people who signed their assets over to Mr. Jones, who gave up their friends and family to move with him, thought they were obeying the devil. They all thought they were listening to God. How many of you remember the outrageous Mr. Applewaithe, I think was his name? The purple bandanas and the plastic bags and suffocate yourself so that you can get into the mothership. And all Mr. Applewaith really needed was his medication adjusted. And it's sad. People followed him into eternity. An eternity without God, as far as we understand. Because you cannot follow God and man at the same time. Our world is full of tragedy. It was Jesus himself that said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and what? Few there be that find it. He said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many shall seek to enter therein and shall not be able. I don't know about you, but that troubles me as a preacher. Because part of my job is watching people struggle at the gate. And you know what? I can't reach into people's heart and change things. I'm glad God has not given that power to men. I'm glad God has reserved that power to himself. And what is the first thing that we blame... When something bad happens. Well, if you've been alive since the 50s, it's the environment. They just had a bad home life. How many times do you hear that some horrible, heinous criminal has done things that are absolutely unspeakable to other human beings? Well, you have to understand he was abused as a little child. Well, let me tell you something. Just because you were abused does not give you permission to go out and do the same thing or worse, somebody else. Now, where did that come from? It comes from people listening to things that simply are not true. What's man's first line of thinking? Guy wrote a book about it in the 60s. I'm okay. How many, how many remember that stupid book? I'm okay. You're okay. Had the little stick figures in there. Fear. I'm okay. You're not okay. Uh, and it went through all the emotions in that little, uh, using the I'm okay, you're not okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. Well, that's pretty close to the truth. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Amen. But how do we 
find out what is truth? How do we know that we're listening? How do you know that I'm not a Jim Jones wannabe? Well, Pastor, I've been here a little bit. I, 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 you know your only protection? It's not that I make sense or that I uh, am funny or that I am thoughtful or that I am anything. Your only protection is that what I say comes from this book right here. That's why you need to read the book so that you can check out what I say and make sure you're safe. Amen? And what has happened in many churches is sometimes the old preacher will change his mind about things. I remember getting a note from a preacher. We were wrong about being separated from the world and we were wrong about not using worldly music in our services and we're going to correct that. And they sure did. The only problem was they didn't do it well enough because the church across town had a better rock band than they did and 500 people left their church to go to the one with the better rock band. You know, if you want to compete with the world, you can get away with that some places. But you can't compete with the world here. This is the headquarters, my friend. We're not here to compete with the world. We're not here to see how close we can get to the world. I would hope that we would share the desire to want to hear from God. Can I challenge you that does not happen by accident? It's not just to happen so. Nor is it as the Calvinist would say that God has chosen certain people before the foundation of the earth to hear and other people he has chosen to close their hearing and their understanding. We have an example here in Genesis chapter 6 in the life of Noah. Let me tell you, the environment that Noah lived in was far worse than any that you could imagine here on earth. Let's read about the environment of Noah and get down here. Verse 3, it says, My Lord said, and the Lord said, I'm sorry, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man upon the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now, does that sound like a pretty bad environment to you? God said, I can't allow this world to exist. I've heard a lot of preachers saying, well, God needs to just rain some fire down and take care of things. Well, let me tell you something. In Noah's day, God didn't use fire. He used water. He gave this whole earth a bath. 
Well, you believe in a worldwide flood? I thought it was only local. No. The Bible says every hill was covered. And it's interesting that the Bible record verifies that the depth of the water over the highest hills gave the draft or the amount of water the ark displaced just enough room for the ark to float over top. Now, do you think Noah was a mathematician? I mean, he didn't get out of the boat and measure how deep it sat in the water. We know that. How did they figure all that? Well, God just told Moses what to write down and it just happened to be right. Amen. But it was an awful society. It was an awful environment. It was such a wicked world. And then we come to verse 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 8, But Noah found grace. Noah. In all the world, God found one man that he shed his grace upon, that he said, I'm going to talk to him, I'm going to give him instruction. And we read this, and we get this crazy, unbiblical idea that the world was rotten, and everybody in it was rotten, and it was just so terrible that God said, I'm going to clean it off and start over again. Now, who can I get? Oh, I'll pick Noah. That'll work. That's not how God does things. Look at the next verse. You'll find out why Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9 says, these are the generations of Noah. This is the history of Noah. This is his story. Noah was a what? What's that next word? He was a just man. Now, what is the next one? And what? Perfect in his generations. And Noah what? Let's try that again. Same words. Here we go. Noah was a man and in his generations, and Noah with God. Now, I want to challenge you that when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, it wasn't some new thing that God invented because he was desperate and run out of other things, and so he picked the best rotten guy he could find and used him to build an ark. God doesn't work that way. Here's Noah's history. Noah was a just man. How do you get just? The word, the Bible, the full word is justification. The quality of being just. How many of you remember from Friday night the definition of justification? Do you remember? Does anybody else remember? Say it out loud. Just as if you never sinned. That's justification. How do you become just? Let me tell you, there's only ever been one way for mankind to be just in the eyes of a holy God. He's got to bring 
his sin to God. That's what Abel did. Now, Adam and Eve needed a little instruction. So the voice of God went walking in the garden and he found Adam and Eve and he said, we're going to deal with this thing. And they did. Could I challenge you that Noah had not listened to the prevailing philosophies of his day? That he had not discussed what God might want with his neighbor or his friends or some other religious person? Let me tell you, man is the most religious of all beings. You put a group of people somewhere and they're going to worship something. I mean... We just had a famous singer die. Everybody gathered outside to worship. And they all talked about how godly. Um, It's not godly to sing about those things. I think the quote that Miss Houston herself gave was I sell sex and music and we have a good time. Now let me tell you something. That's not godly. Noah was not listening to the prevailing philosophy of his day. He refused. You know what? It takes energy and effort not to go to the world and try to figure things out. It takes purposeful determination to choose not to listen to what everybody else is doing. Somebody tells me one more time, well, everybody's doing it. I think I'm going to explode. That is such a dumb lie. Everybody isn't doing anything. I mean, we've got a group of people here in church. Everybody's not doing it, my friend. You don't have to listen to the world. Noah was a just man. That meant that he brought his sins To God, the Bible word is repentance. And Jesus said, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Paul put it this way, the godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Hell's going to be full of people saying, I'm sorry. So tell me something else that I don't already know. Amen? If you did that thing on purpose, what kind of a fiend would you be? Right? We say, I'm sorry, I I didn't mean it. Well, good, I'm glad. I, I believe that about you. I wouldn't think that you would want to do something like that on purpose. 
But does it change anything? You see, Noah, just to give you a little history, was born only 126 years after Adam died. Noah's father lived 56 years contemporary with Adam, the first living man. Do you think Noah had access to the information that Adam had when he was living in the Garden of Eden? That's not a very hard stretch now, isn't it? Don't you think uh, Adam could have told Noah the story of Genesis 1 through 5 in 56 years? I mean, Adam would have told Lamech, which would have told Noah. Uh, Lamech's father, by the way, was 243 years contemporary with Adam. You say, well, wait a minute, nobody lives that long anymore. Uh, Well, the Bible says people lived very long time periods before the flood. You see, Noah was listening to Abel, not to Cain. Noah was a just man. Paul put it this way in Philippians... Not by righteousness, which I had. Uh, let me read it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Let's, I don't want to mess that verse up. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you got to Colossians, you're too far. Philippians chapter 3, just verse 9. It says, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Let's read verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Noah was a just man. The only way you can find a man becoming just in the eyes of God, where God calls a man just, is when that man brings his sin to God. And there's always going to be a blood-stained altar. Up until the time of Jesus Christ and Calvary's sacrifice, it was the innocent animal that died. It was a picture of what Jesus would do. Once Jesus' blood sprinkled the mercy seat in heaven, there was no more need for the human for the animal sacrifice offered by mankind. It is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Noah was just. Now this next one's pretty tough. He was perfect in his generations. But pastor, nobody's perfect. And we've been over this before. The word perfect in modern English is an excuse to do wrong. Because why do we use it? We use it as, well, well, um, you know, nobody's perfect. Well, yeah, that's true, but I am perfect in Christ. The Bible says so. 
because Jesus is truly perfect. And he's given me his righteousness that day that I accepted him. Amen. How do you be perfect in your generations? Well, we have a lot going on today and have been my entire life. The 60s generation, they rebelled against their parents, did they not? Why did they rebel against their parents? Because their parents had nothing to offer them except buy more, have more. You see, that's not being perfect in your generations. Who did Noah's parents, father, believe in? The God of this Bible. Whom did Noah believe in? Uh, the God of this Bible. Uh, whom did Noah's sons believe in? The God of this Bible. I mean, I've gotten a lot of cooperation from my sons, but I don't think I could get cooperation on a 120-year project. Who helped Noah build the ark? Somebody said, oh, he had lots of slaves that built the ark. Uh, excuse me, you mean Noah had all these people working for him and then shut them out of the ark? Uh, that doesn't make biblical sense, does it? Yeah, no, it was Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They built the ark. Maybe that's why it took 120 years. You see, Noah was right with his forefathers. What if your forefathers aren't right? Well, you go to God and you make things as right as you can. You know what? How many people have made shipwreck of their lives because they refuse to forgive something that someone has done to them. The Bible says the root of bitterness springing up therewith many be defiled. Jesus was not kidding when he said, if you cannot forgive men their trespasses against you, I'm not forgiving you your trespasses against me. We better take warning to what God is saying here. Noah was perfect in his generations, meaning... He was not carrying around a bunch of baggage. Now, maybe Lamech wasn't the man that he should have been. We don't know. But that's not an issue. Because you're not going to allow, you should not allow someone else to determine your relationship with God. Amen? Now, the Bible says... That we are to love our enemies. Does it not? Do you love your friends? Hello? I don't know if I want to be your friend. <laughs> I mean, we love our friends, do we not? 
We're supposed to love our enemies, are we not? Amen? Well, who does that leave out? It doesn't leave anybody out. Noah was perfect in his generations. It meant that he had this issue settled going both directions. You cannot make people do right. And most of the time, our definition of right is what pleases me, and that's why we have so much trouble. But we got to let God carry those burdens. And just like we brought our sin to Him, we can bring other people's sin to Him. And see, here's the progression. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah what? He walked with God. You ever go on a walk with somebody? Now, I like to walk slow. I've learned to walk slow. You know why? Because I want my wife to be able to keep up. Amen? Walking with someone is a wonderful thing. You share much more than just time together. Noah walked with God. You know, the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, does it not? Have you ever thought about what it means to walk in the Spirit of God? Maybe it's talking about the exact same thing that Noah was doing here, walking with God. If you're walking in the Spirit, that means wherever you step, you're not stepping past the bounds of the Holy Spirit of God. If you could imagine yourself in a bubble or a suit or, or a mini environment of the Holy Spirit of God and you don't transgress the direction of the Spirit by stepping through Him or around Him, does that picture make sense to anybody? Hello? Noah walked with God. You see, the reason Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord was because Noah was not listening to the world in which we live. He was listening to God. He had to walk with God. He had to remember about the Garden of Eden as the voice of the Lord came walking in the cool of the evening searching for Adam and Eve who had sinned. And Noah said, boy, I don't want that. I want to stay in pace with God. I want to go where He wants me to go. I want to do the things that He wants me to do. Jesus said, if you're going to follow after me, what do you have to pick up daily? Your cross. You know what a cross is? Oh, yes, I have one. I wear it around my neck and it's made out of sterling silver. It's beautiful. Cross was the executioner's tool. I mean, if you saw somebody wearing a hangman's noose around their neck, wouldn't you think a little weird about them? 
Oh, that's a neat pendant. What is that? Oh, this is an actual engraving of the door to the gas chamber to state penitentiary. I mean, you would expect to see other things attached to that. You know what I'm saying? A fascination with death and all of the horrible things that are there. But let me tell you something. The cross was far worse than a gas chamber or an electric chair or the hangman's noose. All of those methods of execution were designed to be fast and painless and the least discomforting to those who had to witness it. The cross was none of those things. The cross was meant to etch upon the hearts and the minds the fear and cruelty of the authority of the person who decreed the crucifixion of another human being. And by the way, in Israel, when Jesus was crucified, they took the bodies down because the Bible said that it was a curse to let a body hang on a tree overnight. Uh, The Romans only did that in the land of Israel. When they crucified somebody somewhere else, they stayed on the cross. Not even the most ghoulish of horror movies goes where that goes, my friend. You see, if we're going to walk with Jesus, what do we got to do? We got to die to self so we can walk with Jesus. Now do you understand why Noah listened? Why Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord? You see, he was already there. Noah had made the daily choice to walk with God. So when God was looking for someone to shed his grace upon, guess where he went? To the man that was walking with him. Day by day. God never looks far. Be close to him and you'll be right where he wants to bless you. Amen. Now let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll I'll try to have us out of here on time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The Bible says, by faith. Remember, Noah was just. He had given his sins to God. He was perfect in his generation. He had taken other people's sins to God. He walked with God. It was a daily death to self and life from God. That was Noah's pattern, by the way. That's the New Testament pattern. It's the Old Testament pattern. It's going to be the eternal pattern. It's the end of us, and it's all about God. Amen? 
And then when God came up and said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world. I want you to build an ark. Noah was already listening. You know, we live in a world where people are plagued with the idea of personal greatness. Can I, can I tell you the roller coaster of personal greatness is not a ride that you really want to take. What's that basketball player? Lynn Sanity or something like that? I mean, nobody could do what he did until he did what nobody should have did the other night, right? I mean, they lost. I was just listening to the news and it was... Yeah, it's all on, if all the victories are on me, this is on me too. Well, I'll tell you what. The world elevates people and the world destroys people. You want greatness from the world? Hey, you can have it. But get ready because it isn't going to last forever. Just as they praised you, They will curse you. I like Noah's plan. He was tuned into God. And he wasn't worried about personal greatness. He was not giving one thought to the idea. You know, they're going to be talking about me 4,000 years from now in New York City. They're going to talk about how I built this boat that was so big that it wasn't until 1888 mankind built a boat as big as my ark. Noah wasn't thinking about that. You know what Noah was thinking about? If I don't get this ark built, I'm going to die. So is my family. Because God said, There's going to be a flood. Noah had no idea what that word meant. Other than what God told him. He had never seen it rain. The Bible tells us things were different before the flood. But you see, Noah was already trusting God with his soul. Was it really a big thing to trust God with building a boat? Amen? Now, here's the application. How many people here say, I trusted God with my soul. I am just because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm saved and I know I'm saved. And I just say, Amen, and lift a hand up to that. How many people would do that? Amen? That's the majority of us here today. Okay, so when something bad happened this week, who did you trust, God or yourself? When a challenge came up that challenged the way you do things, who did you let figure it out and carry the burden of that thing? You or God? I want to challenge you. We don't listen very well. When God came to Noah and said, I want you to build a boat, Noah built it. Why? It says, by faith, Noah being warned of God. 
There's a lot of things in this Bible that God warns us about. Most of them have to do with the reflection in the mirror. Amen? Most of them have to do with allowing things into our lives that will destroy us. And the greatest thing that will destroy you is the love of self. Replace that with the love of God. If we could just be afraid of the things God tells us to be afraid of, and not be afraid of the things God tells us not to be afraid of, most of your life decisions would already be made for you. It wouldn't be so hard to figure out what God wants you to do. You see, Noah was warned. He moved with fear. And he prepared an ark. When God says something, do you remember how you got saved? You understood what this book said about your sin and your inability to pay for it. You understood what the Bible said about Jesus and how he paid for every sin that was ever sinned. And you brought your sin to God. God is in the sin-forgiven business, amen? He doesn't give you a license to go out and do it again. But when we fall, guess what? If we, this is John the Apostle writing, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now I'm glad the verse doesn't end there. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, when something comes up and upsets your understanding of God, I mean, do you think Noah, when God said, I'm going to destroy the whole earth, why didn't Noah argue with God and said, but God, you can't do that. How many of you remember Abraham's prayer before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Why didn't Noah do that? Let me tell you, Noah was in tune with God. And he said, God's given me a job to do. This boat's big. And if I don't get it built, I'm not going to be ready when the judgment comes. By the way, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Noah's building of the ark, what did he do to the world around them? He condemned the world. You want to know why people get mad at you for showing up at church and being faithful and giving and all the things that you should do? It's because they ain't doing it and they're not too happy that you are. Who do you think you are, Mr. Righty Two-Shoes? Isn't that what they say? Well, wait a minute. I'm not doing this so I can earn God's righteousness. I'm doing this to say thank you because he's already given it to me. I want to listen to God. What's the process? Number one, you got to be just. You got to take your sins to God. Number two, 
You got to be perfect in your generations. You got to take other people's sins to God. Leave them there. Amen. Then you got to walk with God. You say, well, how do I walk with God? Well, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Amen. Sunday morning, Sunday night. We got Thursday night. Somebody said, do you have a recovery program here? I said, yes, we do. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. We got special events. We got men's breakfast once a month. We've got ladies' fellowship once a month. We're trying to have those family fun nights once a month. I hope you enjoyed Thursday night. Uh, I hope it was a good time. And if you lost, tough. Amen? What's the big deal? It's just M&M's. And we kept the kids from eating them off the floor. Really important stuff there. You know what? You could add to that visitation once or twice a week. And you're going to be showing up here five or six days a week. You know what? That'll keep you out of trouble now, won't it? When you go to work, do you think you should cheat on the boss? I mean, that 10-minute break, should that be 20 minutes? When they tell dirty stories at the lunch table, you know what? Should we sit there and listen to them? I mean, these are things of walking with God. Is it complicated? Is it really that hard to understand? No. It's... Learning to listen to God in the little things we can do. And then when the big crisis comes, guess what? You will find grace because you won't be far. You'll be walking in the eyes of the Lord. That's the, how we listen. You've got to learn to listen. Every time your sin bothers you, that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, bring it back to me. Don't hide it. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Don't lie about it. Bring it back to me. When somebody else does something to hurt you or injure you, that's the Holy Spirit of God saying, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Amen. Well, now I've got some free time because I'm not worrying about all this stuff. Well, now you can walk with God. Amen? But there's some things I don't understand. Uh, do you think Noah understood what it meant to build a boat? Nobody ever had one before, as far as we know. He just did what God said. That's walking with God. 
He wasn't seeking personal greatness. He wasn't seeking recognition. He wasn't seeking someone else's approval. He was walking with God. Noah was warned. He moved with fear. He built the ship. And his family was saved. It's just that simple. Today, I just want to ask one question. Well, of course, it's going to be more than one, I'm sorry. But the main one is, how many of you are willing to pray and ask God to let you live the pattern of Noah? I want to learn to listen to God more than I am right now. If you're not saved, let me tell you something. You can't start that pattern until you become just. That's where you bring your sin to God. That's all you have to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Church didn't die for you. No baptistry water will wash away one sin. They came through great tribulation and they washed their robes white. In the blood of the Lamb. Amen. After you've been made just, you've got to ask God to make you perfect in your generations. You've got to stop carrying around other people's sin in your heart. But they tried to hurt me. Well, they did hurt Jesus now, didn't they? But I'm not Jesus. No one's asking you to be honest. What we're asking you to do is let him carry the burden instead of you. Because it'll destroy you, my friend. But Jesus can handle it. And then walk daily. We don't mess up on the big things. We mess up on the little things. Can you trust God with life for today? Can you trust God not to drive like a maniac on the way home from church? Amen? Not to push somebody out of the way getting on the subway. Or scream because the bus pulled away just as you're walking up to the stop. Those are things we all do. Because we're not listening to God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, I would not want anyone to think that I am not personally in need of this sermon as much as everyone else in this auditorium. Listening to you is a daily habit. Listening to you is a lifelong learning process. And Lord, not one of us listen to you as closely as we should. But Lord, I pray that we would see the pattern of listening to God in the life of Noah. 
Lord, that not one of us here would try to start out building an ark before we were made just by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would not try to walk with you until we've allowed you to make us perfect in our generations. And then, Lord, we would just take life one step at a time. We're learning to walk at your pace and not our own. Lord, if there are those here today, and we believe there are some with us this morning who are unsaved, that today would be the day they would surrender their lives and just bring their sins to you. Lord, we pray for those that are hurting because of things that they think or things that were actually done to them, painful, mean, and cruel and wicked, that they would understand that until they have forgiveness for their sins, they can't bring other sins to you. But Lord, once they know salvation, that no one would be carrying around the burdens of other people's wrongs, but they would just lay them at the foot of the cross, the only place they belong. Lord, I pray that we would make ourselves free, that we may walk with you, that when you are looking to show your grace in a special way, We'll be right there at your side that you may find us. Lord, work in this time of invitation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together, Brother Franz, if you come and lead us.